Friday edition of the Plank Show. Josh Helmer, Connor Pasby, hanging out with you. We remain, I guess. Do we even call it Caleb Williams Watch anymore? We've we've basically we've moved on, right? Not coming back. We're on Jackson Dart Watch. We're on Michael Trigg Watch at Oklahoma. We're on Cavante Henry Watch at Oklahoma. Jackson Arnold, Jeffrey Johnson, Jackson Player Announcement Watch at Oklahoma. Bunch of recruiting news and notes happening this weekend. It's a huge visit weekend for OU, which I'll be hanging out with Parker today. Locked in at 2 o'clock, and I'm sure that he's got a ton of thoughts, news and notes in terms of just who all is going to be here this weekend at Oklahoma. Chubba Purdy visited uh, OU this week as well. So, man, it's crazy, crazy what's going on with OU and recruiting. Remember when the transfer portal was like, ah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Brent Venables will dip into the transfer portal, but you know, Dapo Sweeney at Clemson, he didn't really like the transfer portal. Now OU's linked to this transfer portal player. Well, what about what about Drew Sanders? He just entered the portal. The free the free agency of college football. The the fact that Drew Sanders and I understand that he he's what, six five could could be a great tight end, but if Oklahoma, under the previous coaching staff, really was not set to allow him to come to Oklahoma as an edge player or as a linebacker, then so wing and a miss if Oklahoma only wanted him as a tight end. That was a big, big mistake. Hopefully this current coaching staff can rectify that and convince Sanders that Norman is where he wants to be. It is hour number two of the Plank Show, as always. Second hour of the Plank Show. It is brought to you by Allison Insurance, 405-745-2968. And Allison Insurance, well, they bring us our top five stories of the day. So let's go ahead and get started, shall we, with big story number five. Wait for it. Number five. Wait for it. I believe it. Hit it one more time here once that ends up playing. Number five. There we go. All right. I I had faith in you. I knew we'd get there eventually. The Oklahoma City Thunder win last night, 130-109 over the Brooklyn Nets. No, Kevin Durant did not play last night. He got himself a night's worth of rest. I guess that was Brooklyn's fourth game in five nights. So KD got the night off. Shea Gilgis Alexander, superstar stuff, 33 points. Lou Dort, terrific as well, 27 points, 6 of 10 from downtown, as they call it, Connor. Some other NBA results, we mentioned this earlier. The Bucks just absolutely hammer the Golden State Warriors. Final score was 118 to 99. What did you say? They led by 40 at halftime, 39, but I'm rounding up. 39, and I believe they... They got out early to like an 18 to 4, 20 to 4 lead in the first, and they just move on from there. 
the Bucks are they your favorite to repeat? I would lean toward the Bucks, but I mean, watching NBA games right now, I think it's up for grabs for anybody in the wet in the West. And you know, if there's some teams in the East like the Sixers and a few others that can, you know, give the Bucks a run for the money later on. Speaking of teams in the West that are playing good basketball, the Grizzlies have now won 11 straight games after beating the Timberwolves 116 to 108 last night. Did you see uh? The story about John Morant, where the kid was wearing a Steph Curry jersey and he wanted a high five, and I don't know if I've fallen for a fake story here, but basically John Morant was like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to high five the kid with the Steph Curry jersey," and so then he was he was set to give the kid his jersey, right? And so what the Memphis Grizzlies did was set up this deal where kids could exchange their jerseys for another player for John Morant. And I'm trying to think who the, who the other player was for Memphis that you could exchange the jersey for. You could exchange your jersey for a replica John Morant jersey, and I think Jaron Jackson, and then you get two tickets to a Memphis Grizzlies game, which is one of the best marketing jobs ever. Fantastic. That's good stuff. A little bit of cheaping out a little bit on the replica jerseys. <laughs> but other than that, to try and attract new fans, I thought that was pretty creative. Uh, some other NBA scores, Nuggets uh, big time over the Portland Trail Blazers, 140 to 108. Gosh, everybody, there's just so much scoring in the NBA nowadays. Nobody plays any defense. And there's, One- been, there's been quite a handle blowouts we've been seeing these last few nights too yeah especially especially two games on tnt that was you know supposed to be the big ticket and everything pelicans uh, over the clips 113 to 89 texas tech in college basketball this is big story number five which is (laughs) your full basketball recap texas tech rolled osu last night 78 to 57 mentioned it earlier oregon and Davion Harmon upset number three UCLA in OT 84 to 81. And then this is not basketball related, but real quick, since I am well aware we will not touch on this subject again. Did you notice yesterday on the PGA Tour in the Sony Open, the young man, 51 year old Jim Furyk, his sixth career hole in one? Did you see, Connor? Why did that not cross my page? 17 career wins for Jim Furyk. First hole-in-one for old Jimbo since uh, 2011. And he is now the oldest player to shoot 62 or better on the PGA Tour since 1983. So just a a short 26 years after he won the Sony Open, he is back in contention. So, All right, we're done with golf for the morning. Big story number four. I want to... Take a longer look at this here in here in just a little bit. Maybe we can do this. We we can dive into this next segment. The NFL playoff schedule. It's the NFL's wild card weekend, and I, I did have to laugh that Dan Wetzel put out your regular hit piece that you see every year in the playoffs. Which quarterback is under the most pressure to win? 
which quarterback needs a win in the worst way? So I've got that list of the 12 quarterbacks that need to win in the worst way this wild card weekend. Spoiler spoiler alert, it's not Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. So or, we, or Aaron and, or Aaron Rodgers. No, it is not Aaron Rodgers because guess what? Aaron Rodgers is not playing this week and he's got to buy. So he he is the Packers are sitting in the number one seed. Doesn't need to worry about really anything other than, huh, okay, so that's who we're going to play next week after a wild card weekend. So NFL playoffs, we can talk a little bit about that. John Williams, who is really my boss at Sooners Wire, he's joining us at 1035 to talk about a lot of the happenings with Oklahoma football, but he's very plugged into what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys and it's a huge playoff game for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott versus the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll get his thoughts on that here in about 20 minutes or so. And we'll take a, a full look at the NFL playoffs and which quarterbacks need to win here in just a, just a few. Big story number three. It is a how-you-say-important weekend across the board for Oklahoma athletics. Let's start here. Oklahoma men's gymnastics, they uh, they are off to Colorado this weekend to get their season started. The Oklahoma women's gym team, they are off to Salt Lake City. They will take on number four, Utah. So massive, massive right there for women's gymnastics this weekend. OU Wrestling, they are taking part in the Virginia Duels beginning against Lock Haven University today. That starts uh, at noon. And then Kent State at 2 o'clock today before Virginia at 3 o'clock tomorrow. And then Maryland at 5 o'clock tomorrow. So there is, in addition to you know everything that we're going to be following with Oklahoma football in terms of Jackson Dart season, in terms of Michael Trigg season, in terms of all these different recruits that are going to be on campus for Oklahoma this weekend. There's a, a lot happening across the board for Oklahoma athletics. The the OU men, by the way, they have arrived for the Rocky Mountain Open, the Oklahoma men's gymnastics team. I'm looking, looking at the tweet they sent out 13 hours ago. They are ready to roll in the Rockies, so their season gets underway this weekend. And then uh, we talked with Maddie Williams earlier. Appreciate her and Oklahoma women's basketball for having her join the show this morning, but that's part of big story number two. Sooner women. They host TCU fresh off a big dub. Monkey off the back. It had been what, 13 straight losses to Baylor? I didn't want to mention that when Maddie was on the show. Just wanted to focus only on the positive 83-77 dub for the Sooners over Baylor. That was a huge win, though, man. Turning of the tide for this program. And, you know, big picture, really, I think, though Oklahoma's will see how long, they're a part of uh, the Big 12 Conference's future. We know the the move to the SEC is – Coming at some point, we think shortly, maybe after uh, next year for Oklahoma. But I don't think Baylor's going to be the same program that they have been in the sport of women's basketball, minus Kim Mulkey, who's, of course, off to LSU now. But hey, all the same, Baylor has been the preeminent power 
in Big 12 women's basketball. And for OU to, again, come from behind, win that game. Maddie Williams scored 18 points in that contest. The Sooner women, 83-77. to They won it on Wednesday night over Baylor. And now they'll host TCU 1.30 tomorrow inside the Lloyd Noble Center. And you can catch that game. I should have mentioned this when Maddie was on. You can catch that game right here with us, by the way, on 99.3 FM. Porter Moser and the Oklahoma Sooners, another subject that we need to take a larger dive into this morning, need a nice bounce-back performance. They'll play TCU as well. That game, 3 o'clock tomorrow on ESPN2. Really, versus Texas in that 66-52 to loss, Connor, kind of the first time this season there's been stretches of bad basketball for OU the end of the Butler game comes to mind where seemingly seemingly had that game in uh, Oklahoma's hands and then all of a sudden find yourself needing a heroic Elijah Harkless three to get you into overtime you wind up losing that game into the Utah State game OU blew uh, what, a seven, eight-point lead in that contest. So there's been some stretches of disappointing basketball, which is going to happen to pretty much everybody in a college basketball season. But start to finish versus Texas, that was really the, the only time this season, I think, that you point to and say, yeah, that just wasn't very good for Oklahoma. And it's frustrating that it happened versus your arch rival in Texas on the road. In the final game, you're going to play against Texas in the Irwin Center. I believe they – I think OU's lost the last four out of five in Austin. Can never really get in a rhythm. Then we also saw saw what happens when Tanner Groves is, is non-existent in the offense, what, what happens throughout the game. Yeah, we, we need to revisit Toby's interview this morning with head coach Porter Moser. I, I was listening to that as uh, I was driving in, and I thought it was – was interesting what he had to say actually about just that with Tanner Groves. I'll pull that cut at some point this morning and we'll revisit it. But no, it's a it's a big game for Oklahoma tomorrow at TCU for the the Sooner men. I am optimistic. I, I think they'll bounce back and play play really well tomorrow versus TCU, though that's a, a TCU team that picked up its First Big 12 win over Kansas State when uh, they were able to come back and win 60-57 to over the Wildcats. So well, TCU they hung, team they hung that, with Baylor for a lot of the game, lost was 76-64. to So this is a game that OU can't afford to you know, look past because you got Kansas coming in home and Lloyd Noble. Yeah, you have to week. fight the look-ahead factor here, Connor. Have to fight the look-ahead factor here. I will, I will mince no words about it. I think TCU is one of the worst teams in this conference, to me, this is a game at TCU that even say Oklahoma won at Texas, and you're feeling good about yourselves coming into this game. You've got to win this game. No, no excuses versus TCU. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that TCU doesn't have talent. I'm just saying that on paper, to me, TCU is going to wind up one of the one of the bottom three teams in this conference. So you, you need to find a way, and especially now coming off of a loss to Texas, you need to find a way to win that game. Gets us to big story number one. Wait for it, everybody. Number one.
Are you fired up for Jackson Dart season? I am. It could potentially happen. Jackson Dart, does he pick OU? What's your gut say? Matters if he wants a quarterback competition in Norman, but it would be interesting to see if he does go to OU and flip it from, you know, Lincoln leaving to USC and Dart comes to Oklahoma. So it will be interesting. Rank them for me one, two, three in terms of likelihood. We found out yesterday that Ole Miss and TCU, the other two destinations that Jackson Dart is still considering. So what does the Connor Pasby scale of likeliness, what does that look like for Jackson Dart? I would go Ole Miss, Oklahoma, then TCU. No love for the Horned Frogs, huh? Gary Patterson is out, and you say they stink now. Unbelievable. I'm not seeing it. I don't think Dart wants to really go to TCU, you know, after after he said Patterson leaving. Well, and Chandler Morris is there. Duggan's there. So, it's not as if you're going to TCU and there's no quarterback battle. There would be a quarterback battle there as well. I would agree. I think Ole Miss probably has the best shot, though, would really, really like it for Oklahoma if you could convince both Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg to go ahead and join the Crimson and Cream. Those those uh, two reportedly going to be hanging out in Norman this weekend. All right, let's take a timeout. First T.O. of hour number two, top five stories of the day. Since the hour two of the Plank Show, it's always brought to you by Allison Insurance. You can go ahead and say the top Stories of the day, it's brought to you by Allison Insurance as well. Give them a call, 405-745-2968, allisoninsurance.com. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements, and more. Give Bob and Robert Allison a call. They're going to help you find needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. Allison Insurance, they've been helping you and your family out for over 60 years. NFL playoffs. Haven't really talked about it yet this morning. I'm sure Connor has some hot takes he's ready to fire off when we return, plus your phone calls, your texts, as well. On the Plank Show, Josh and Connor back with you on the Home of Sooner Fans right after this. Friday edition of the Plank Show rolls on. Hour number two brought to you by Allison Insurance. 405-745-2968, the number to call. Josh and Connor here with you. It is the Plank Show. Are you fired up for some NFL football, Connor? I am. We got a we got a full slate Saturday, Sunday, and then the nightcap Monday between the Cardinals and the Rams, which will be exciting. Yeah, Monday night, uh, good job on the scheduling there. The, to me, in my officially official Josh Helmer watchability rankings, that's the best game. That's the best divisional, one. Divisional rivalry in the wild card. Kyler Murray, I don't know if you know this, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Matt Stafford, quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams. Should be really good on Monday night. Stafford, What's- Stafford's first uh, you know, first time in a while competing in the playoffs. So see what it'd be exciting to see what Stafford can do. Trying to get his first playoff win. I guess uh, both. Both are trying to get their their first playoff wins, but, I mean, obviously Stafford been around a, a lot longer than Kyler. 
So when you get into the Dan Wetzel, who's who is this more important for? Who has more pressure on them? Spoiler alert, Matt Stafford was the quarterback that he picked that has the most pressure this weekend. You agree with that? I do, but I don't think I don't think Dak Prescott's much behind. I think Dak Prescott has a lot to prove. Well, and I think the opponent matters too. I mean, Arizona is really good. It's going to be hard to win that game. That's you know, it's not listed as a quote unquote toss up according to the odds makers, but look, Dallas has got to beat San Francisco. They're better than San Francisco. So to me, I factor that in and say, okay, Dallas has to win that game. Dak Prescott is under more pressure to win. That's me though. So I would I would probably have him ahead of Stafford in my which quarterback is under the most pressure rankings, but that's neither here nor there. And the quarterback with the least amount of pressure would be Jalen Hurts going to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be right toward the bottom of the list. It was, it, crazy, it was crazy seeing something that Tom Brady to his forty-sixth playoff game. Yeah, I know that. Some of some these guys nuts. are making their first playoff experience as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and Tom Brady's what been playing in the playoffs for parts of three different decades. So he has more playoff appearances than seasons played. That's wild. He he is uh, one of the greatest. Not the certified GOAT, but one of them. We still got True Sooner hanging on? We do. Let's let's hit up the phone lines. Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, 405-329-9000. True, what's up, man? Good morning. Man, I feel like uh, – hey, good morning to you. I feel Derek like, Carr uh, has Dallas? some pressure this weekend, by the way. Well, it's Derek, a big game Derek for Derek Carr, Carr and your That's Raiders. Right. That's right. Well – I feel like Dallas as a franchise has more pressure than anybody on them. I mean, and, and Stafford, he has an excuse. He played for Detroit for a decade, right? Yes. It's not so. his fault that he was not going to the playoffs. It's collectively the Detroit Lions' fault. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Dallas, yeah, Dallas and Prescott and all those guys. Derek Carr, you know, last time they were in the playoffs, he was hurt. Um. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what to do with him, which which I, I hope they hang on to him because I think this season, if anything, is, I mean, he's him and the coach have held them together, I feel like. I mean, they've had more, you know, more bad things happen than uh, anybody has this year. Yeah, it's been really impressive what Rich Basaccia has, has done in the interim role. I yeah. If they beat Cincinnati, I think it's going to be hard to say we're not just bringing him on full time. You don't, you don't want to necessarily make a quote-unquote emotional decision, but it's also, you know, it would be an educated decision, too, in the face of everything that happened, and we don't need to run through the full gauntlet of, right. you know, right. the happenings of the Raiders this year. But with, with all of that, to get this team into the playoffs and then to potentially win a game versus yeah. one of the rising yeah. stars in the sport and Joe Burrow, I mean, to me – if that happens, I think he's got a legitimate candidacy, even though I don't seems like the reports are that he's not one of the main candidates for the gig. See, and that, that makes no sense to me because, you know, he I mean, like you said, he's 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 kinda held the thing together in a year when they 
I mean, quite frankly, it shouldn't have made the playoffs with all the stuff that's happened. I mean, you lose how many number one, you know, draft picks do they have left on that team? I mean, it's just a, you know, and, and the fact that Jacobs is off and on, Waller's been off and on hurt, you know, and now, and, and now you're asking, and now you're like, oh, I don't know if we should give this coach a chance. I mean, seems to me he's got, he's proven himself. If, if, if they don't take him, I would, I would guess somebody else will. Yeah, you know, he, he'd probably point. have an op- opportunity at some some point. I don't know if it would be in this hiring cycle somewhere else, but right, right. But right. yeah, I mean, he's obviously made an even even if they lose by multiple scores versus the Bengals, I think he's made a pretty compelling case for himself. I regardless, I do just to be in the playoffs. I mean, they've only been in the playoffs like twice in the last ten years. You well, know, they so, could have they could have anyway. easily they could have easily folded like halfway yeah, through the season. Just see what you know you know the coach has done and the way Derek Carr has played the last remainder of the season. Well, he was so good against yeah. the Chargers. That was one of the best oh, games yeah. Derek Carr to me has played, and I thought it was really impressive the way that he played in overtime after all of the craziness that happened with the Chargers erasing the fifteen point deficit. I, I thought uh, yeah. he was really, really good. So, are you fired up? You got to be juiced, of, man. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's a game they can win. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I think they definitely, you know, deserve to be the underdog. But I mean, I think it's it's not an unwinnable game. I'd much rather play uh, play at Cincinnati than play at Kansas City, which which I, I I thought was funny. They kept bringing up, oh, the Raiders are totally fine with the tie. They should just play the totally tie. Fun. Who cares? They're only yeah. going to the and team that's like, been the no. AFC champion the last two years. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not what they're. They, they don't want to just tie. They want to. They want. I mean, who, who wouldn't rather play Cincinnati than Kansas City right now? I mean, just, I just made no sense. Hey, I was going to talk to you about the Caleb deal. I know we're sick of it and everything. I know we're so but, sick of it that I talk about it every single morning. So well, my apologies just, to the the good no, listeners of no. Oklahoma and beyond. It's just what's what it is right now. But you know, the thing about it is, this, this sounds like a fifty-five-year-old guy talking. I get it. And I'm not going to go into the loyalty and all that aspect of it, but it just, it just, it just has a very ingenuine feel to it. I don't know how else to put dis, dis, disingenuous. Disingenuous, yes. I, I yeah, know. I, I, I smell what the rock is cooking. It it just feels. It just. I don't know, man. It's like, it. You know, it feels like, and and, and it does feel like he hasn't told anybody at OU because you would think that you would have players coming out and saying, yeah, he, you know. Uh, you know, it seems like that he's just his own. It seems like his own thing, you know, and and it feels like he loves the drama, and 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 it, it just has a weird feel to it. And you know, I I don't know where would you put. Okay, the guy's coming from Central Florida. Uh, Gabriel. Gabriel, where would you put him? And if, if if you had those two quarterbacks, who would be your favorite to start next year? Caleb Williams. And what is. But I'm basing a lot of that just on what everybody else says about Caleb Williams. Yes, I saw Caleb Williams throw for over 400 yards versus Texas Tech and six touchdowns and no picks against Texas Tech, and he's only the third quarterback in Sooner history to do it. And, oh, by the way, he was a true freshman when he had that game, but Texas Tech stinks, right? And I also saw Caleb Williams struggle against Baylor. I saw Caleb Williams be great in the first half versus Oklahoma State, 
and Kansas. get held scoreless in the second half versus Oklahoma State and throw for, what, 80-some-odd yards versus Iowa State. So I am falling prey here a little bit to, hey, Caleb Williams is the five-star recruit, and this is Superman, well, and everybody says that eventually he's going to be a number one overall draft pick. So I, there is a part of me that says, well, hey, wait a second. I don't know that that's totally guaranteed. Well, then well, Dylan, I, I, Dylan Gabriel is coming off yeah. a, a collarbone injury. He missed while well, he played the first three games, got injured against Louisville. So we didn't get to see him most of the year, but we know what he's capable of, capable of for the, in, the, in the last three years. Having said that, though, True, like I said, I mean, to answer your question, I would favor Caleb Williams. Now, now maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't uh, you, know, you know, say the question correctly, but I meant, I meant between Gabriel and, and Dart. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, yeah. Dylan Gabriel, though I think it would be one heck of a quarterback competition in the first legitimate competition that we've seen since what? Before the 2015 season, right? I was going to say it would have been been back around when uh, – Baker uh, won the job. uh, Right over – I can't think of his name. Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight, yeah. So, yes, um, Sugar Bowl champion point. Trevor Knight and big uh, big fan by uh, one Katy Perry. Yeah, that was a great. Uh, but I don't know, man. I just, I just, and like I said, a lot of it's the OU fan in, we, in, in me. And I know, you know, I, I hear people around the country saying, "Well, it's his right." But you know what? Sometimes just because you have a right to do something doesn't make it right. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of things in life that you have the right to do. But it's not the right thing to do, and I just feel like that this is not. I don't know, man. It just feels like I'm surprised that he's drug it on this long. If it ultimately is USC, it's like it. It just feels like it feels like he's played everybody. Well, and I actually, I, I think there might yeah. be some USC fans that are sort of at the point like, okay, is is there going to be any decision here? Because guess what? They they've lost a four star quarterback out of this deal yeah. in Jackson Dart. Yeah. So if if Caleb Williams surprises everybody and doesn't go to USC, all of a sudden, wow, they are not in a good spot for next season. Hey, True, I got to run, man. All right, man. See you, man. Appreciate the phone call. Take a T.O. I have run long, and I apologize to John Williams for that. But John Williams, my man, the, the big boss at Sooners Wire, joins us next to talk everything that is going on. A lot of this, Caleb Williams, Jackson Dart, and what's going to happen in these NFL playoff games. T.O. and we're back. Plank Show, hour number two, rolls on right after this. This is the home of Sooner fans. We call this the Plank Show. He is Connor Pasby. I am Josh Elmer. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're having a great start to your Friday. We welcome in my friend. He is the boss man, the managing editor over at Sooner's Wire, where I write as well. He's also the host of Locked On Sooners. John Williams joins us on the show. John, what's up, man? Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you all. We're, I think we're finally done with 2021 college football. It's kind of crazy now. It came and went so fast. We are finally done, though. The transfer portal has, I don't know, extended this thing out. Does it feel like free agency to you? I mean, that phrase gets tossed around a lot. Do you like this for college football, the the transfer portal? I've been making the argument this week, and believe me when I tell you it is not a popular take, but I kind of think it makes college football more exciting. Obviously, this is a 
seemingly disappointing situation that OU's found itself in with Caleb Williams and several others. But in general, I kind of I kind of dig it. Is that a crazy take? So from a business aspect, it it keeps all eyes on college football when people should start transitioning more to basketball. And so from that point of view, it's similar to the NFL in that we, we talk NFL all year long. It doesn't matter if it's in season, if it's off season. I mean, there's free agency season, there's draft season. I mean, it's, it's one of the more fascinating off seasons in professional sports and college football is kind of turning into that recruiting has just grown um, to just new heights every single year. The transfer portal has added in that free agency element. But, you know, the, the downside to the transfer portal with NIL is that there's no salary cap like in the NFL where teams can only spend so much uh, to an extent. But in college, they haven't kind of put in any regulations yet that minimize some of this. And I, I do like – here's the aspect of the transfer portal I do like is that it does give the players the freedom that the coaches have. The coaches can up and leave, as we've seen, not just with the guy that left Norman, but also Mario Cristobal leaving Oregon, Brian Kelly leaving LSU, or countless other coaches, Billy Napier going to Florida. These coaches just, they're under contract at a place and they can up and go and they have the freedom to be immediately eligible to coach their teams while before the immediate eligibility clause in the transfer portal, those kids had to sit out a year. And I always wondered how is that fair when the coach can up and leave whenever he wants but the player's got to give up a year of potential, you know, NFL production, you know, because if he sits out a year, then that's another year that he's delaying going to the league. And we know that, you know, everybody, the age is undefeated. And so if you're giving up a year to play another year in college, then it's going to impact you, your future earnings down the road. And so I, I do like it from that aspect. I do think that there's going to have to be some um, kind of boundaries put in place on some of this. I don't know what those are, and it's probably going to take a while before we get to a point where we're comfortable with NIL or the transfer portal. Uh, but I do think that some aspects of the transfer portal are a good thing, just to at least level the playing field where the coaches don't have all the power. The players actually do have a bit of the power. What's your reaction been to the Caleb Williams saga? Do you have any guesses as to why we haven't seen or heard an announcement yet? No, I really don't. I mean, the only thing that I can think of, and, and I'd, I'd, I'd hate to speculate too much, but um, if if NIL is a part of it and he's and he's trying to kind of leverage the best deal, then meeting with as many you know teams as possible, it just creates more opportunity for somebody to step in and be like, well, hey, we'll we'll throw a sponsorship at you through this, or we'll do it this way. And you know, if you're you know, meeting with USC, and then the next day you're going over to UCLA, then maybe that makes uh, the, the Trojans people a little bit nervous, the Trojans, Trojans uh, business donors a little bit nervous, and maybe so they, they maybe they step up their NIL offer a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of the, the crummy aspect of, of what NIL has become is that it has created this this type of NA, uh, free agency. Uh, we saw it with, you know, Quinn Ewers, you know, opting out of high school early to go to Ohio State, and then and then leaving Ohio State to go to Texas. And, and so it does, it does create a weird dynamic. I, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like on Monday we were going to get a Caleb Williams decision, but then it's kind of lingered out there a little bit longer. And, and who knows, maybe he's legitimately looking at um, a host of places and, and he's really considering somewhere other than USC. It just seems like the writing on the wall is that it's going to be USC. And I know that, that kind of stings me, and I know it stings other Sooners fans as well. What are the Sooners getting in UCF? transfer quarterback Dylan Gabriel and what sort of chances we've kind of heard those reports throughout the week that it sounds like 
Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg both going to be in town this weekend. What kind of chance does OU have to convince Dart to sign on to play with Jeff Levy and Brent Venables with quarterback Dylan Gabriel here? And what kind of quarterback does OU already have in Dylan Gabriel? Well, I think in Gabriel, they, they get a, a legitimate passer, a guy that's played 26 games, has 26 starts under his belt, went 18 and 8 with UCF, uh, was really, really productive. Uh, in his time there, uh, passed for more than 300 yards a game and had very few turnovers. So he's he's a guy that can throw the ball, but he also can protect the football. He's got a quick release. He moves well in the pocket. He's he's a very mobile quarterback. He can move around. Uh, it's not necessarily his game. He's more of a passer, but he does have a little bit of athleticism too. And I think what we're seeing just kind of through social media is just the guy that is ready to get to work. Like he's He's not just somebody who is coming in expecting to be the starter. And I, and I think one of the good things about even entertaining a guy like Chupa Purdy and uh, Jackson Dart is the idea that you want to create competition. And I think what's going to happen in the Brent Venables era is you're going to just see them go after as much talent as possible, create competition, and then let the cream rise to the, the top where – you know, I think in, we, we saw it in years past with Lincoln Riley where it was like he's only going to go after the top quarterback every other year so that he kind of has his guy and he basically says, that's my guy. We saw it with Spencer Rattler. We saw it. You know, Caleb Williams would have been that guy too, but I like the idea that he's going to create competition and just find as much talent as possible. It does create an interesting dynamic in how as uh, much these quarterbacks play, um, if if they are able to land a Jackson Dart or a Chuba Purdy, because you got Dylan Gabriel, who we presume is going to be the starter, but there'll be a competition if they land one of those veteran quarterbacks. And then you got Nick Evers, the 2022 four-star quarterback as well. And so it just creates an interesting dynamic in how all these guys end up getting playing time down the road. But, you know, these college coaches, they have plans, and they, they're able to navigate those relationships and navigate that playing time Um in a way that's going to help help develop these guys and then also give them the, the opportunity that they want or that they earned as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't, I don't necessarily think that they land Jackson Dart uh, with Dylan Gabriel, but if they come in and they say, yeah, it's going to be an open quarterback competition, let the, let the best player win, uh, that gives them the opportunity, gives them a possibility. But I think with the immediate commitment from Dylan Gabriel, as soon as we heard that uh, Caleb Williams was going into the transfer portal, it seems to me that they're they're planning on Dylan Gabriel to be the starter in 2022. So I've got like 30 seconds here, and then we got to take a T.O. But uh, NFL playoff picks, uh, big game for your Dallas Cowboys. I I said Dak Prescott to me, he's one of the quarterbacks that if we're talking who's under some pressure to win, this is a big one for him. Yeah, that's true for for the entire team. Uh, You know, I think most people look at Dak and – you know, I, I'm going to speak from a bias because I'm a Cowboys fan, but you know, most people see him in that you know good to great tier of quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think what you know people have been disappointed in is just the overall team success that's happened in the playoffs. And and that's and that's I think that's um, it's relevant and it's relevant to discussion. I don't think it it'll hinder his legacy at all. I mean, he's going to be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback and, until he retires, probably at this point because you're not going to be able to find somebody that's better. But they do have a really tough matchup with the San Francisco 49ers. I think that they're going to be able to win this game because they have the quarterback advantage. They've got the advantage on on offense uh, in the passing game that can take away or take advantage of the San Francisco 49ers uh, secondary. It's a matter of who's going to win in the trenches. You know, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line has been good at times this year. It's been inconsistent other times. 
And we know that 49ers front is really, really good. And But I think the, the Cowboys' defense is going to be able to slow down the Niners' offense enough that uh, the Cowboys' offense will be able to score and, and win that football game. John, I appreciate it, my friend. Have a wonderful weekend, and good luck to your Cowboys. Yeah, thanks, man. Have a great day. Take a T.O., come back, wrap up hour number two right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.